forest bathing is um it's the integration of nature and community you mm. know so there's there's like wilderness that's out there but forest bathing occurs in um what they call in japan the satoyama zone so mm. satoyama means where the town meets the mountain mm. and so you're not going you're not going all the way out into the wilderness but you're going um you're connecting to nature and this is the whole thing is that nature is everywhere mm-hmm. nature is the cracks in the sidewalk it's the mm-hmm. trees on the street hi my name is Stuart Alsop and this is my podcast crazy wisdom where i interview creative people about their meditation mindfulness and yoga practices and how those practices help them tap into creative flow on a daily basis if you like listening to this podcast please subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher by searching for Crazy Wisdom and tapping the subscribe button. My name is Julia Plevin. And what do you do, Julia? I am an author and an entrepreneur, the founder of the Forest Bathing Club. And what is forest bathing? Forest bathing is based on the Japanese practice of Shinrin-yoku, and it means literally luxuriating in nature under the trees. And... um, in the 80s in Japan, they did all of this research and scientifically were able to prove that going out into nature lowers your heart rate, your cortisol, your stress levels. And um, now they've done so much more research on the benefits of nature, on increasing uh, creativity and overall well-being. And um, yeah, so basically it's just about going to nature and not doing anything, but coming into the present moment. That's awesome. And when did you start first start going into forests or doing forest bathing? Yeah, it's funny. I was in New York for uh, grad school, getting my MFA in design, actually. And I've always loved being out in nature. But it wasn't until living in New York that the lack of nature started to really affect my mm-hmm. uh, personal well-being. I just started, you know, becoming super anxious and stressed all the time. And my graduate thesis became all about the mental health effects of being disconnected from nature of which so many and I basically realized that most disease 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 Mm. comes from a disconnection from nature Mm. and um, so that was in 2015 when I did that research and the forest bathing club was born out of that Mm. Uh, and so do you guys is it a business or do you guys uh, charge for taking people into forest yeah so it's a community organization um, and we do um we do community ones that are just about co-creation so people bring um you know somebody might bring a poem or meditation or a snack to share and that's the offering and sometimes we do offer um for we have we have tickets and that's just as a way to keep the container sacred um and Part of the belief around that too is when you go into nature, um, you have an offering. So there's like, if you're going to receive the healing from the forest, what can you offer? That's cool. And so when did you first get into mindfulness and how did nature play into that? I've been doing yoga since I was 15 years old and um, aware of mindfulness, but was still the kind of, you know, like was the kind of person who didn't want to do the meditation at the end of yoga class Mm -hmm. and always moving really fast and I'm a big runner so I would run through the forest and the trails and I loved being in nature but I was always just running through Mm -hmm. and um 
it wasn't until around that time when I realized what happens when you actually slow down. Hmm. Hmm. And the city, uh, so you're, you're living in Noah Mill Valley right now. Uh, how does it feel to come back into the city uh, after being in nature for a long time? Yeah. So I was living in New York and moved back to San Francisco and actually started the Forest Bathing Club in San Francisco. Hmm. And um, one day I was running uh, in Sutro Forest oh. and some guy stopped me and he was like, hey, do you know why all these trees have ribbons around them? And I was like, no, dude, I'm just trying to run. Like, I just moved back. I don't know anything. But then he's like, they're cutting down all the trees. And I was like, wait, what? You know, I love this place. And so I went back and I researched it and I realized um, just what's happening in Sutro Forest. Hmm. And so it was almost like that guy literally had to stop me in my tracks and to get me to slow down and pay attention um, that, you know, it's, it's just a forest where they planted eucalyptus trees like 140 years ago. So now they're all the same age and mm-hmm. there's risks of are they healthy or is it mm-hmm. invasive? You know, so kind of all of these issues. But, um, you know, like are they also trying to get rid of this place to build homes? Mm-hmm. You know, and you're mm-hmm. like, so there's a lot of uh, controversy around it. Mm-hmm. And um, when I started the Forest Bathing Club, it was really to go into Sutro Forest and bring people there to... Mm-hmm. Cool. In yeah. the city, from, from the city. And that's, yeah. that's why we're so lucky here in San Francisco is we have pretty good access to natural natural resources pretty close by. Uh, yeah. Whereas New York, it's like it's so hard to find a park except for Central Park because it's centralized. Uh, as we grow, as kind of new communities form, and how do you see us designing urban environments that mix with nature? Do you see... An, possibility to do that totally um yeah so as you mentioned i'm living in mill valley but i first um was living out in stinson beach so i so through the magic of connecting to nature and things start to happen where you're like i couldn't predict this right so i started the forest bathing club within a few weeks just on meetup.com just mm. as a um minimum viable product so as a designer you're always like what is the least Thing I can yep. you know I can do to test if this is a viable concept so put up a meetup it started to grow a reporter came and wanted to to cover it for mm. business insider so the first one I ever did there was a reporter at <laughs> and then CNN came last summer um, oh. brought their film crew into the forest with us and then a publisher reached out to me to write a book on forest bathing oh. so that's been a crazy journey too and for that i was traveling around the world um going visiting ancient trees and then to write it i was like i can't write this book about deep connection to nature in the middle of the mission so i was moved out in stinson beach and um had my deep immersion there but really Mm. forest bathing is um it's the integration of nature and community you Mm. know so there's there's like wilderness that's out there, but forest bathing occurs in um, what they call in Japan the Satoyama zone. So mm. Satoyama means where the town meets the mountain, mm. and so you're not going you're not going all the way out into the wilderness, but you're going um, you're connecting to nature. And this is the whole thing: is that nature is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Nature is the cracks in the sidewalk. It's the mm. trees on the street. It's um, so totally that I see bringing nature into cities is is important yeah this reminds me of uh, so 
uh, when you're when you go into nature for a long time. When you were in that instance in Stinson Beach, did you go into nature? Um, I'm sorry. Did you come back from nature every day, or like, what did you, or what when like how long would you go in nature without seeing other people? Yeah. So I was living um, in a cabin right by the beach, mm. and um, Stinson's a funny place. As it's also during the winter, so it's a bustling like beach town, but pretty quiet in the winter, mm. and not many people who actually live there. It's a lot of people have vacation homes or rent homes there, but mm. the community itself is probably like 200 people who actually live there year round. So it's pretty quiet. Um, but I would. I had one friend who lived around the corner, so I'd see her and her boyfriend a lot and um, have friends who'd come out and visit me. But it's pretty isolating. And then the crazy thing is you're still only 45 minutes from San Francisco, mm. so every once in a while I'll come back here. Okay, yeah. And, that, and yeah, that's because that, for me, the most difficult part about practice, especially in nature, was then, uh, and it was so quiet, and, and any time I spend a lot of time in nature, I guess I get, I get introverted. Uh, and then coming back, it's very difficult to yeah. kind of like then reemerge in a society where most people are on their sympathetic nervous system response, like are on edge all the time um, and who don't have this kind of access to nature. Um, and I don't. Yeah. I w- I'm wondering, what, what are your experiences with that? Yeah. Um, it's all in the integration of it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you can have these really deep experiences. Um but then when you come into the city and I would notice I would get stressed or anxious in traffic and but then it's like okay but then I look at the trees on the side of the, uh, the road and you're like okay like there's still trees here and then when you you know scientifically when you're looking at um trees it's like this soft or like nature it's a soft focus so it lowers mm. your even just looking at nature lowers um your stress and then you remember that every breath you're taking is nature, you know, so, and all the people you're in traffic with are nature. And so you kind of just, I would repeat that to myself as a way to hmm. recenter. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, in your own, in your meditation practice, do you use mantra like that? Do you, do you, do you have uh, either English or um, uh, Sanskrit or, or whatever words that you use? Yeah, I have things, and it's been cool. I've learned from various teachers along the way. Mm. So I have a um, this woman, Lynn Cedar Roberts, who's a shamanic Reiki healer, mm. who I spent five days with in the Ho Rainforest. Cool. Where is that? It's in, it's the largest temperate rainforest in the world, and it's in Washington State. Okay. But crazy story is while I was writing this book, I was reading other books, and I read a book that she wrote with another awesome shaman, Sandra Ingerman, and I was like, and Lynn was living in the Ho while writing that book, and I felt really called to visit this forest. And this is the thing, too, is that I, always, I feel called to trees. Mm. I feel like certain old trees or certain forests are like really like calling to me. But um, I reached out to Lynn, and I told her that I wanted to visit this forest as part of my research, and she had any tips. And next thing you know, um, She's like, well, maybe I'll meet you there. And so we figured the dates, and she's like, this is crazy. I was actually supposed to be there, those dates, with another woman, but then she didn't have funding, so it didn't. Oh. But I had those dates, and it was like right around um, uh, the fall equinox, so really powerful days. And um, while there with her, she was gave me some mantras, and mm. really simple, even like out of my head, into my heart, into my body, into the earth. And just a lot of... Uh, um, 
connecting to the earth you know a lot of just like literally putting your forehead into Mm -hmm. the ground Mm -hmm. um and just letting go of your thoughts and letting the earth absorb all of that Mm. i have another one um while in japan spent a couple days with a shigendu buddhist monk and so shigendu is a type of buddhism where they see that nature holds the ultimate truth so if you want to learn you have to go out to nature so they do these pilgrimages um but every yeah everything is like in nature is sacred and the monk this kind of irreverent monk asked me do you feel connected to the universe and i said like some days right some days you like really feel it mm-hmm. and you're like but then some days no some days i'm just like whatever in the grind stress and so he gave me a mantra to do every day mm-hmm. to greet the sun mm-hmm. do you feel comfortable sharing that or? yeah i can yeah. share that uh-huh. so you put your hands um, together so your thumbs touch and your pointer fingers touch and so you create a triangle and then you bring it up to the sun and you feel the sun on the back of your hands uh-huh. and then you bring that to your heart and you do it again kind of like a sun salutation uh-huh. and then you hold your hands out and you repeat so you say the date today is April 10th 2018 and you say your name I am Julia Michelle Plevin I am grateful to be born in a human body. Today I connect to the universe and I promise to use my connection as a tool to serve the highest good. That's a beautiful intention. Um, that's really interesting because you go to a lot of yoga classes and a lot of traditional yoga teachers will say uh, you need a mantra and it needs to be in Sanskrit uh, because uh, uh, Sanskrit is a language that is um, capable of making all the sounds that humans can make. Um, uh, and so it's somehow a holy language, but I don't really buy into it because it's like, I, I think the point of mantra as traditionally practiced was, was essentially to connect with a, 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 a deity or, a, or, a, or like a, a spirit in nature and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, uh, and so what you just said connects with that higher good, I think, uh, in, a, in a really cool way. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you describe the feeling that you get when you're in nature? Yeah, definitely. I can try. Um, you know, it's funny. When I first was writing this book, and it's all the ways that you know, nature, you know, all these ways to cure anxiety and stress from connecting to nature, you know, and it's like this foolproof way. And I was writing it. And, um, but then while writing it, I kind of started to get really stressed about deadlines and this and that and the writing process. And um, I was like, oh my God am I like writing about something that isn't real? Cause here I am saying like, I have all the answers and I myself am still really stressed. But I then realized that it was a, like a bullshit meter. Mm. And I had to really use my own medicine and go out and do all these practices that I've been writing about, you know, yeah. and live my message. And that's an intense one because that's connected with nature. So that's connecting with the universe and, and, and in, a, in a way that we're kind of separate from or somehow there's an educational campaign that that's dirty or I don't know like yeah yeah uh, yeah. yeah so li- really living and then um, also learned that just be like it's amazing to have these tools and this that you can use but it's not like the anxiety stops hmm. um, and even today I'm like 
have some big decisions to make and things were feeling convoluted and complicated and I just went out for a run into the forest in Mill Valley and I get into a grove of redwood trees and um, I just lie down in the forest and just like really focused on letting it all go and letting the earth take all you know like the whole weight of it and um and you just sit there and you start to notice more details um little butterflies going by or how the leaves are moving in the wind and um you know sometimes I get answers right away where you're like oh clear you know total mind shift and sometimes it's just like a reminder that there's more so we've got this kind of move back to nature which which is happening among our generation i think particularly millennials or a certain segment of them maybe um and then you've got another one which is van life uh Hmm. (laughs) how do you see those two playing together Hmm. in the next five to ten years yeah i really see a lot of awakening around the benefits of nature and around you know so much of this grind that people are in of like really stressful jobs and then curing the stress from your jobs by like shopping too much or drinking too much you know is um is all associated with these descent from nature and when you are out whether you're in a van or you're in nature you you don't need as much and you feel a lot more content and um, satisfied with what you have and you're you know all of a sudden what's really exciting is like what's growing in your garden or the beautiful mountains that you're going to in your van you know so I think it's people starting to wake up to like what am I doing with my life and why Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um, Mm -hmm. you know and then whatever there's just different uh, avenues to get there like some people want to choose a van some people you know mm. the some people want to go back to and back. live full in nature yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and I um huh. I still think that like I'm always wondering what's going to happen to cities too because I think cities are really important mm-hmm. well and that's one of the main things that I've understood that cities are good for is is a is essentially a centralization of, of knowledge talent uh, so that the people in the cities can kind of innovate based off of the ideas just by being around other people with ideas it kind of just it's like osmosis almost and so but now we have the internet and so that happens in a decentralized manner so I think as as this that and as people our age have grown up with the internet and then people younger who have like really grown up with mm-hmm. it that I think that trend will only continue I think and yeah. maybe we'll maybe we'll end up a lot of people in the countryside um, but then the pressures on the ecosystems might change as well um, which is is, uh, is a challenging one right because cities do have you know you really low footprint when you live in a small mm apartment in the city versus <laughs> hmm. having to drive everywhere out in the country or... mm-hmm. and that's why I thought self-driving cars uh, would help van life uh, because then uh, like people can move around in vans uh, and then but as you said driving is a, is a would be a, a gasoline usage a lot of gasoline usage um, but no, we don't have to go on that tangent <laughs> <laughs> um, so we can get like solar powered vehicles or something huh yep <laughs> solar power would be good yeah 
what is the main practice you find yourself doing on a daily basis for the last like 30 days or so? Yeah. So I try to do that, that sun salutation every day. Hmm. And you can do it, you know, sometimes first thing in the morning, sometimes I'll forget and I'll do it in the middle of the day. Does that have a name? That one? Um, I call it like greeting the sun. Hmm. It's connecting to the sun. Um, another thing I do is give offerings. So, so much of you know, unconsciously we are, we, I always ask people, what do you get from nature? Mm. And, you know, we get like space, we get food, we get energy, we get, you know, and then you realize that you actually get everything from Mm -hmm. nature. We Mm -hmm. get medicine, we get, you know, um, recreation. And then what do you give to nature? And mostly it's like, whoa, I've never even thought, what can I give to nature? Like what? Yeah. And um, in a healthy relationship, it has to have that reciprocity. Mm-hmm. And the ways to give to nature are through your presence, being there through words of affirmation, saying like, I love you, you know, mm-hmm. or this, you're beautiful, mm-hmm. little gifts, um, you know, like little bouquets mm-hmm. of flowers or um even offerings of like tobacco or corn kernels. Mm. Um, so I always have a little pouch of kernels on me, and I'll, you know, whenever you go in the forest. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And even in my backyard, when I like, you know, every morning greet a tree, and I have, huh. um, when I was living out the beach, I'd put them in the ocean. Are you, do you grow things or? Just started uh-huh. um, planting some, some greens, some kale, and, uh-huh. um, tomatoes and stuff but yeah it's just moved in a month ago so cool yeah um i've always wondered whether you know like like uh, giving offerings to plants and stuff like that i wonder whether that would actually induce them to grow better i, I just I, I always wonder whether unconditional love will kind of like helps everything around you kind of grow yeah there's um this really cool woman who lives in new york state who does something called music of the plants mm. And um, basically, it's this like synthesizer that they developed in Italy, where you connect um, plants, and then you can hear their music, and they're like through their vibrations. Mm. And you can learn; you can actually communicate with them this way. Um, and she has some wild stories about pruning like a plant in her backyard and picking off the leaves, and then knowing in her heart at some point that she had taken off enough leaves, mm. but being like, "Oh, there's still more," and so she kept taking it and the the music the plant stopped playing its music mm. um huh. and so she realized that like the way that we communicate with plants isn't verbally they're not gonna like talk to us but it's a feeling in your heart mm. and that's the same feeling that i have when i'm you know connect to trees you can like feel a knowing in your heart mm. so you guys the next forest bathing is april 29th uh, and what do people do on a forest bathing? Is it quiet, or is it uh, do, do people interact, or are there guidelines? Or yeah, great question. So it's it's really easy to describe what a forest bath isn't. So it's not a hike, and it's not a walk with a naturalist. Mm. But it's a group of people, and um, you know, it's always there's some people who 
come regularly. There's some people who will be their first time. And so I'll give a brief overview of what is forest bathing and this the scientific background of it. And then where we are um, geographically, because it's always like, okay, we're in the Presidio, but what is this place? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the talking about the Native Americans who lived there for thousands of years and then, you know, how it belongs to the Spanish and Mexican, you know, and then they planted the tree. So it's like a whole, you know, you realize that you're standing on so much. Um, and then where we are cosmically, if that's uh, relevant, like full moon, new moon, and aware of the mm-hmm. energy that's happening because of that. Um, and then everyone gets an opportunity to share their name, where they're coming from. That could be literally like Russian Hill or from a stressful week. Um, and then an intention for the experience. And throughout the forest bath, there's a, there's different invitations. So basically, once you arrive, there's nothing you have to do. If you mm-hmm. want to just be like, I'm just going to sit under this tree. I don't want to be part. You know, you're doing forest bathing. But as a group, I'll lead different um almost like meditations one is you know just um coming more aware of what's around you so tuning into smell and sound and seeing and smell and tasting um and then some are more like games of like gathering things some are more shamanic journeying you know so it kind of varies on what the crew is and what the place is and what the forest is serving up for us um but after each of these little invitations, you group back together and there's a council. Mm. Um, and, you know, we use a talking stick and it's about sharing what's on your heart and then listening with your heart. And even that is a really powerful practice um, because I always learn a lot from what other people are experiencing. Mm. I'm like, wow, I didn't notice that, but yeah, and it mm. deepens my own experience. And then, there's also a lot of healing that happens when you are able to share your truth and witness mm-hmm. um, sharing your truth. And then we come together at the end for a tea ceremony. And um, the tea is often something that comes from the forest. So mm-hmm. different herbs like eucalyptus or, or like leaves. Um, sometimes I'll make goodies with like acorn flour or um, forage. Um, greens or flowers you know so this idea that the forest is really healing us from Mm. the inside out and the outside in yeah Yeah, so we have one on the 29th and that's with um this organization called kismet Mm. and they do different like moon circles and workshops and so this is the first one collaborating with them Mm. Honestly, it's been a journey for me to find my voice within all of this because you're living your life and, you know, or you're in design school and, and then I start coming into this research and then discovering these deeper truths. and But it's like challenging how I have been living my life up till now. And, um, you know, you start to see other people who are speaking, you know, you read books about this and you're like, okay, there's another way but what's my voice in this? And um, for a, a while, it was kind of like segmented. Like around certain people, I would talk a certain way and around other people, I would talk another way. And it really was, I think, in removing and going deep into nature and writing this book where I got, I started to be able to embody the truth. 
and now um, I make a point even like on Instagram right to speak from this this place because it's like part of I think my message my responsibility is to share this wisdom and it's scary you know yeah and, and how what is your yoga practice what do you think yoga is? What is your definition mm. of yoga? Yeah, I mean, the union of a breath and body, breath and movement. Um, for me, yoga is a really powerful way to move energy through mm. my whole body. Mm -hmm. And um, it's actually interesting. So forest bathing, I think, is really just one piece of the puzzle of the pie. So if you think about like um, the medicine wheel, the four elements, there's earth, wind, fire, water, and we need all of those um, elements. And so when I spend a lot of time in the forest, you get, you get a lot of like that earth energy, but I noticed I was like almost too grounded, right? And I was like, hadn't been surfing where I got all that like water and spirit and then um, also lacking that fire. So I've started um going to hot yoga classes again i haven't done hot yoga since i was like a teenager but it's feeling so good right now just to like really burn things through so i think it's also knowing kind of like what element you, you need at that you need time, at the time. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and that's how yoga is too right sometimes you need that like rock and roll vinyasa sometimes you need a more yin class like mm -hmm. do you dance at all no. No, not at all. And no. like, I've been, I like to dance, oh. but on your own or yeah, or like, a, you know, go out to dance, but I don't, not like a more of like the ecstatic dance, kind of like how than like knowing any particular. Oh, okay, yeah, uh huh. Um, because that's a lot of people talk about the original. Because what we practice as yoga today is not at all what yoga was practiced. I mean, there there are there are similarities, there are threads, but. Um, and I'm talking about the yoga you find in most studios. Uh, uh, it, it was a very different practice uh, 2,000 years ago. And a lot of people think we don't have pictures of it because once the cameras came in to our understanding of yoga, they changed yoga to be more of a, a, a postural like mm -hmm. uh, uh, um, kind of way of, of showing what the body can do, basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, and and so but before that they think what were these people doing as their asana practice as their movement practice and, and I believe that it's it's they danced um, they were doing a dance um, mixed with meditation mixed essentially like a static dance basically yeah, um, yeah. night for Guatemala uh -huh. so it's so cool that you reached out to me today and I was like yeah let's do it otherwise you know who knows when it would have I'm only going for 11 days but mm. I love that we were just able to make this happen. But um, when I was in the whole rainforest with that woman, Lynn Cedar Roberts, and she was, you know, I learned all those practices from her. And she also just lives this connected to nature life so fully that all of a sudden I was like, oh, it's real. Mm. And it was really, you know, in a pretty grounded way. Um, mm. And just open to like the synchronicities and the, um, this subtle energy and all of that it's just how she lives her life but so she afterwards I was like what's next like how can I keep learning from you mm. um, and she says that she leads these journeys to Guatemala every spring so that was last September and I was like okay you know I'm, I'm doing it where in Guatemala to Lake Atitlan mm -hmm. 
Uh, which city do you know? Do you know which city you'll be I, in? I don't know. Okay, because there's about seven different villages around the around yeah. that around that lake. Uh, it's a beautiful lake, amazing energy. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. What have you been there a lot? I rode my in 2008. I rode my motorcycle from here to Peru, uh, wow. uh, and I stopped in Lago Atitlan. Uh, oh man, yeah, I remember now the. Uh, I remember the road I had to take to get there to that lake. Um, it was just this beautiful two-lane highway through Guatemala, um, and there was a, uh, um, a dirt road that I had to take to get to uh, one of the towns. I'm forgetting the name, and um, uh, and then I had to. There, there is this one hill basically that just went directly down and uh, at a grade that normally wouldn't be suitable for a road. And I remember riding the motorcycle down. Uh, and then I it was like almost uncontrollable because it was such a steep oh incline. Uh, and I was just like so scared. And nothing ended up happening. But uh, yeah, Lago Atitlan, you're going to have a good time there. Cool, yeah. It's got some interesting stuff going on there. Yeah, I'm really excited. And what are you guys going to be doing? Honestly, I don't fully know. Mm. Um, I'm kind of just like, all right, going along with this. It's um, a group of healers. Mm. So it's a lot of like Reiki healers. And um, spending time with shaman elders. Um, so like deep into Mayan culture, it's really based on the Mayan energy. Mm. Before we left, we had like um, Mayan astrology reading, mm. which was really interesting. Um, but yeah, if I know anything like from the five days that we spent together, I don't know if I, like, we, it's possible to do less, you know, like we literally made a day out of going to like a couple different spots around the forest and just napping there and giving offerings and making little art and doing some journey work. And, um, but afterwards, like I felt like, you know, you feel after Burning Man, mm. like just that, like blown open kind of. Mm -hmm. So if you had one piece of advice for anybody who's picking up a meditation practice, what would it be? My advice would be to find something that feels true to you and do it for 10 days and see how it works. And if after 10 days you notice something and you like it, keep going and otherwise, you know, let it go. So essentially you've got to find something that's personal to you uh, that, because otherwise it just doesn't really work. Um, yeah. Oh, I can say one more thing. So I have a, to yoga teacher training in like 2015 or something and I never used it because I had such trouble like remembering all of the little things like plant this heel like this and open your like is it your right is it your left hip like which comes open you know like I can it's such an embodied practice for me but to speak it was really hard and to teach it that way but um now I have a pretty solid morning routine that I do that's all about breath and mindfulness and nature connection and it's I didn't learn it from anywhere like mm. I kind of you know picked up practices here and there but created it into my own thing mm. and so now actually when I teach yoga it's from such a more deeper personal place that I'm not like trying on someone else's voice mm.